0: Here is Bryce Johnson.
1: Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast, where we unpack sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. I'm Bryce Johnson. Hope you're doing great today. Check out our website, unpackingit.com. In just a moment, we will be joined by former quarterback Craig Krenzel. You remember him from Ohio State, won a national championship. Uh, remember when they beat Miami? He was the guy, and uh, he was also on the team with our buddy Nate Sally, who played at Ohio State, and and so it'll be great to hear from Craig here on the show. He's actually now a business owner, and and seems to have a lot going on with his family and, and work life, And and so he had a short NFL career, didn't quite work out, ended up having a major injury. And that really cut his career short. Uh, but today on the podcast, we, we talk about uh, his faith journey, some key moments, but rather key people, and uh, you'll, you'll hear about that in just a little bit. And then also, at the end of each podcast, at the end of each conversation, we'll come back on at the end and discuss some of the key takeaways from the, the interview. And so be sure to, uh, to listen through the end, and, and I'll share a couple of thoughts as we uh, end our time together. So thanks for checking out the Unpacking It podcast. Appreciate the support. If you haven't subscribed yet, be sure to subscribe anywhere podcasts are found. Help us grow the podcast, spread the word, and and also leave your reviews in Apple Podcasts as well. And if you haven't subscribed to our weekday email devotional, check out unpackingit.com slash subscribe to subscribe to that as well. But right now,
0: let's jump right in. Intriguing guests, and inspiring conversations. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson.
1: And joining us now is former Ohio State quarterback Craig Krenzel. He played there from 2000 to 2003, was twenty four and two as a starter, won a national championship, and was the Fiesta Bowl MVP twice. He also spent time in the NFL with the Chicago Bears and Cincinnati Bengals. Craig, it's great to have you on unpacking it today. How are you?
2: I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. I appreciate uh, appreciate the time and the opportunity.
1: Absolutely. Well, it's it's Super Bowl week, and and we're recording uh, with just days leading up to the big game, and. As I was reading about you, I read that a, a Super Bowl party at a local church when you were growing up ended up having a big impact on your life. So what's the story and, and, and what ended up happening at this Super Bowl party?
2: Yeah, yeah. It's actually kind of funny story, kind of ironic. I was uh, invited to this uh, to this party, to the Super Bowl party, um, from one of my best friends in high school. Uh, Jamie Resmer, he was a point guard on a basketball team, played basketball at Michigan Tech, and um, his girlfriend's church was, uh, you know, they were having this Super Bowl party. And, you know, I think the, the irony comes from a couple of things. One, um, you know, sometimes best friends don't approve of, of the other best friend's girlfriend. And we, we may or may not have had that situation a little bit, but that's that's obviously not a very Jesus-like thing to say. But it was kind of funny how God works on our lives. And then the other part that's, uh, that I think is part of the humorous is, you know, I grew up about an hour north of Detroit, so this this party was obviously up in Michigan. Um, and uh, you know, the guys that came to give their testimonies, you know, at the Super Bowl party, uh, were Michigan football players. Ooh. So you know, I grew up in Michigan, and uh, kind of had that first, you know, little seed planted. I grew up um, in the Catholic Church, but never really, never really had that that personal come to faith moment. And, and as, as a child, like, through my, my church experience, but, uh, you know, that, that personal interaction with Christ, that seed was planted you know, at that Super Bowl party. Wow. I couldn't, tell you, I couldn't tell you the name of the church, you know, what the gymnasium looked like that we were in. Um, you know, I remember the jumpsuits that the guys were wearing, but beyond that, I don't remember a whole ton of detail, believe it or not, except for just, you know, what they had to share that night. It just kind of hit home with me
1: wow that that's so cool to hear, and so from that that point on, then, as you kind of look back at your faith journey, what were some of the other key moments, game changing moments in your life that that ultimately grew your faith and, and and grew your your understanding of of who jesus is and 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 what he's done for all of us?
2: yeah, no, you know for me it's it's really brush. it's not even moments um you know, and I think. I think most, if not everybody, most people, if not everybody can relate to this. And it's that, it's not the moments that I look back and that mattered. It's the people. And, um, you know, there, there were, uh, there were a handful of people throughout, you know, my walk and still are today that, um, you know, that really, really uh, just, just had an impact on my life in a way that I'll never forget. And one was when I came to Ohio state, (laughs) um, you know, my, uh, my, my second year at Ohio State, a gentleman named Tom Rohde. Um, Tom is the, the chaplain uh, for the Ohio State football team to this day. Mm. Um, at the time, he was, you know, working through Campus Crusade, and Tom was just so instrumental. Um, you know, just the, the epitome of persistence um, from a sense that he was the guy that, you know, wanted to get a meeting with me. And we had a quick conversation about, you know, my face where I was and then uh, you know it was one of those things that Tom Tom can say, Hey, what about this day? And and of course, you know, as a, a young college kid, I always had something, right? Whether whether it was a meeting, whether it was something for school, or whether I was tired or maybe it was just an excuse. Hmm. But, you know, Tom was relentless and I thank God every day that he was. Um, because the relationship that that grew from there with, with Tom and his wife Julie it's just been so instrumental, so, so pivotal in my life, so pivotal rather in my life, you know, just, just how was that rock through college, through the ups and downs, um, and really helping me grow spiritually. And then, um, you know, you kind of fast forward a few years, we we do some great things on the football field. I'm in a great place. I get drafted. I go to my wife and I moved to Chicago and it just kind of had a, um, you know, so, so lack of a better term, it, it, it was probably my own fault for not getting plugged in, but you know, it's once, once again, you come into college as a freshman, everything's new, and you're busy. And my rookie year in Chicago, um, I kind of had that same thing. Everything was new. I was trying to learn this new playbook. My wife and I had just got married. We moved to this new city. You know, there's so many things going on in life that um, you know, I just kind of just kind of looked up on. I was like, man, there would be times where I was like, man, I haven't I haven't gotten into Word in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. have been in church. Haven't, you know. And, and so, so personally, I was just a little bit of a, you know, just a quiet period, a dark period, if, if you will. Mm. Um, and and that kind of translated, you know, professionally on the field. I, had, I ended up starting a few games as a rookie. They always tell you God doesn't give you things you can't handle. Well, I can tell you, I could not handle what I was supposed to do physically on a football field at that level. Yeah. So there was you know, just really, really interesting, challenging times. But as I look back now. You know, God doesn't give us anything that we can't handle. And he was using those moments to to grow me, to make me stronger. Mm-hmm. And I, I was released by the Chicago Bears after my rookie year and ended up in Cincinnati with the Bengals. And, uh, you know, the one thing that I remember kind of just sticking out from day one in Cincinnati was, you know, God was alive in that locker room. Mm-hmm. I mean, couples Bible studies, the team Bible studies were, you know, 20 guys deep. You know, we had ten, twelve, fifteen guys at Bible study for for the couple studies, and when I talk about the people, you know, our team chaplain there, Ken Moyer, uh, just Ken and Carrie Moyer were just they're just amazing people. Player wise, guys like Reggie Kelly, yeah. uh, who's one of our tight ends, um, John John Kitna, obviously. You know, you want to talk about guys that that live it, that were setting the example, just phenomenal guys. And um, you know, one story that I that I'll never forget is, is uh you know, I had a, a problem back then where, you know, when I was on a football field between the my lines or in the locker room, sometimes my my language didn't necessarily meet who I wanted to be, if mm. that makes sense. Oh yeah. And um, I'll never forget John Kittner coming up to me one day saying, you know, hey hey Crumbs, I know we just met. But uh, but we've had some really good conversations and then I I gotta ask you, you know, what's what's with the words? What's mm. with your language? And I'd, you wanna talk about convicted? Wow. You know, it was just great. And, and, and I don't forget, we kind of sat there on the football field and, and John said a quick prayer. Cause I told him, I said, yeah, you know, John, when, I'm, when I'm in this type of environment, sometimes it just slips. Wow. And, uh, but just, just, that was an example of guys that were, you know, they were living it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: They were, you know, real dudes that suffer from, you know, different problems and challenges, but, but in God's eyes, the same sin that we all suffer from. And, uh, and just to spend that time with those guys in Cincinnati, um, just just another, you know, period of my life that was was so impactful on me just growing and, and becoming stronger and by faith and by reliance on Jesus Christ.
1: Amen. Amen. Oh man, what a what a great story and I just love that perspective of focusing on the people that have come into our lives at key moments to to help us grow. And so now at this point in your life, are are you able to be that guy for other people? How, how have you kind of maybe learned from the people that have entered into your life to now be that for, for someone else?
2: Well, you know, for me, um, it comes down to just trying to live it every day. Mm. Um, in terms of being that person, uh, you know, my number one job right now is to be that person to my children. My wife and I live with, blessed uh, with four children, uh, oldest son in eighth grade, a sixth grade daughter, a third grade son, and a first grade son. And you know, just trying to do our best in the in the hustle and bustle of raising four children in today's world, and and uh, you know, providing for them, to to show them the example of you know what it looks like to live a life of faith, what it looks like uh, to live a life of service, um, and and you know, that's that's a challenge for, for for all of us. So you know, for me, trying to be that person first and foremost is to my children. Anybody else? That we, can, uh, that we can help out, that we can live that example, trying to teach my kids how to use their faith to, to help others and to set examples for others and to relate and empathize with others. Mm. Um, to me, that's, that's in my number one challenge right now is, is you know, trying, to, trying to be that example and that light um, for our kids. And then uh, by them seeing us be that to as many as we can, um, so that hopefully they go on and, and as uh, you know, cause our children are the first people that we have a, a, a direct impact every day mm. to disciple to and to teach them how to teach others. Also, you know, not just teach them to have faith, but to teach them, you know, second Timothy two, two, I believe to teach them and equip them to be able to go out and teach others. Also.
1: It's awesome. I love it. I love it. Well, in, in talking about you being a, a dad of, of four kids I'm curious, as, as someone who's a, a new dad, I've got a six-month-old daughter, what, what are some lessons that, that you've maybe learned over the years, whether through mistakes or failures or through other people in your life just coming alongside you uh, in regards to being a father, some of the, the principles that you stick to, and, and just some of the, the lessons that you've learned?
2: Well, I mean, the number one lesson I learned is that is – that, uh, you know, my, my kids are always watching mm. <laughs> your children are, are always watching. So, you know, the example, uh, that we set, you know, every word we speak, every action we take, um, every reaction and body language that we have, I mean, you know, our children are sponges mm. and the, the number one person that they're going to look to, or the two people are going to look to in their lives are, are their parents. Um, so that's just such a, what an incredible opportunity. Uh, but at the same time, it's such an incredible responsibility. And um, you know, the one thing that I've learned that we try to do the best job we can as parents is uh, when you work on your children in faith, it becomes a lot easier to explain the challenges that they're going through uh, from a from a worldly standpoint. Because you know, uh, you know, I had someone share this with me a long time ago, and they told me this, and I can't really believe it that the number one challenge to being a good parent is going to be the parents of your child's friends. Ooh,
0: <laughs> and, yeah. you know, we've run
2: into it on a, on a number of occasions you know, I, I have a nine year old son who has friends that have cell phones. Mm. They got iPhones, And you know, in our house that, that doesn't happen. My, uh, my sixth grade, 11, almost twelve year old daughter doesn't have a phone yet. She wants one. And, you know, and, and they live in a world where, where a lot of times they're defined by things like, Oh, she doesn't have a phone. Mm. You know, as far as as far as I know, my my oldest boy uh, got his phone in seventh grade, and it was kind of more on necessity because he was playing for the middle school sports teams. You know, that way to communicate after practice, practice got changed, started to become more important. And you know, with that, we we set rules, we made him sign actually a contract with us, oh, and initial every rule that we reviewed with him. And my daughter will get the same thing, and you know, all of our kids will get the same thing, but. But at the same time you know, they do start to to have folks view them because they don't have the phone or they're not on this form of social media uh, just because it's not something we believe they need or need yet and and you know explaining those things to them. Uh, you know, we're all extremely blessed. you know my family is incredibly blessed in, in the times that we've had to share together and some of the trips that we've taken together and then trying to relate that to a teenager or a preteen or a nine-year-old that what you're upset about is so meaningless and insignificant, not only in the grand scheme of life from an eternity standpoint, but even in your lifetime on earth, you're going to realize that, yeah, you didn't have a phone at 10 years old and you know, what? it didn't matter. And in fact, the reason your mom and I believe this is because someday you're going to see you're a better person for it. Man. And someday you just like I did with my father and mother, Sunday, you're going to wake up when you're 20, whatever years old and say, Oh my gosh, mom and dad were actually pretty cool. (laughs) Mom and dad actually, they actually did care about us." (laughs) And, uh, you know, just knowing that, you know, you know, we're going to, I'm going to be entering a period of of my daughter's life where, you know, if things hold true to other fathers that I've spoken to, um, you know, it's, it's a challenging time. Those, those middle school, high school years are, are incredibly challenging for girls. And, You know, I just got to make sure that she knows every single day, regardless of what's going on, that I love you. You know, sweetheart, dad loves you. And everything I do and say and your mom and I do and say, it's out of love. And someday you'll understand. And I understand
1: that you don't get it right now. (laughs) That's right.
2: Trying to foster that culture of love love and friendship in our house. You know, one of the things that I pray for most is that uh, 30 years from now that my, my four children are all still, you know, that they're really good friends and that they're still really engaged in each other's lives. No matter, no matter where they live, no matter what they've got going on, that, uh, that they have that relationship. And that's, you know, that's, that's a building block that we're, we're trying to set right now.
1: It, it, it matters because I've got two brothers myself, and so, yeah, I can, I can relate to that and the value of that, and it's, it's, it's key. So that's cool to hear that, that you're trying to establish that, that kind of mentality and culture in, in your own house, which is, uh, which is encouraging. Well, Craig, awesome uh, fatherly advice. Really appreciate that. That was, that was excellent. And, and as we, we wrap things up, we started talking about the Super Bowl. We'll finish talking about the Super Bowl. Do you, do you have a, a favorite in the game? What's, what's your perspective on, on the Super Bowl coming up?
2: Uh, my perspective is that I think it's going to be a really good football game.
1: Um, you know, I think
2: uh, last year uh, we had a, a little bit of a sleeper for the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. The two years prior, we had uh, what I thought were, were incredibly entertaining games, um, you know, all involving the New England Patriots, uh, obviously with the Falcons and uh, the Rams when the Patriots wins, You know, those are kind of sleepers. And then in the middle there, you got Philly. Uh, coming in with, with the Super Bowl victory and Nick Foles catching touchdown passes and all that kind of stuff. Um, so when you really look at the last three, four, five Super Bowls, we had some really good games. Last year I thought was kind of a from an excitement standpoint, that is kind of a dud. This year I don't think we're going to have that. I think there's too many playmakers on that field. And, and you know, you love watching strength against strength. Mm. And I am excited to see what this Niners defense – can do against Patrick Mahomes in that offense. Uh, because what makes it an intriguing matchup to me is the pressure that the Niners can put on, you know, with, with just three or four guys because they're so incredibly talented up front on defense. And when you go against a team like this, the chiefs, you know, you got to be able to put pressure on and still cover because Patrick Mahomes can move around and he can make you miss and he can pick you apart you know, with the incredible talent that he has. So, you know, I think it's going to be a great matchup to watch. How much pressure can the Niners get up front and still play seven or eight in coverage and disrupt routes and create that that, that disruption in timing for Mahomes and company? Hmm. You know, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch.
1: I can't wait. And, yeah, I'm with you. As long as we don't see as many punts as we did last year in the Super Bowl we'll be in good shape, and uh, I don't think it should be that way. So, uh, man, we'll really appreciate you you being on the show today, and and thanks for for sharing, and uh, wish you the best, and, and hope we can stay in touch. So thanks for joining us today on Unpacking It. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. There's Craig Krenzel, former Ohio State quarterback, joining us here on Unpacking It.
0: Intriguing guests and inspiring conversations. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson.
1: Hope you guys enjoyed that interview, Craig Krenzel. That was great. Really appreciate his thoughts on fatherhood, especially. That was very, very valuable. And and hope any dads listening today uh, were able to take away some some nuggets uh, from that conversation. And each week here on the the podcast, we'll uh, we'll kind of come back in studio and recap the the interview a little bit and and share a couple takeaways from the the conversation. And and two things stood out to me. In in what he said, and there's this an understanding or a a saying or a phrase that is used in Christian circles, and that is that God doesn't give us more than we can handle. And I think it's a somewhat of a complicated issue, and, and I don't think it's always as simple as that. And I'm not saying Craig was wrong in what he said or, or anything like that. I, I just think it's worth unpacking a little bit more because the the truth is we are weak and. There are many things that we cannot do in our own strength. And I think Craig was talking about that. He was struggling in Chicago. And so, yeah, we're going to experience aspects of life, challenges in life that are beyond what we're capable of, of handling on our own. And we need help. We need a way out. And we need God's strength to meet us in that place to get us through, to get us through the tough times. And, you know, the verse of when we are weak, he is strong. So it's, it's in that weakness that God shines through, his strength shines through. And, and so I don't think God's going to allow us to you know, get to these places where we're so overwhelmed and taken out and there's no way or no hope or no, no help available to us. So, oh, God doesn't give us more than we can handle because he's going to come in and he's going to he's going to allow us to handle it and he's going to give us what we need to handle it so it's not that it's it's wrong but it's in saying that it's just I think it's always worth thinking a little bit deeper about what that means and and so um, I think in some ways it gives us hope in the midst of those struggles to say yeah this isn't going to get so bad that I'm not going to be able to get out, or I'm not going to be able to get through this, because in Christ, I can get through. And ultimately, I know that eternity is taken care of if we have placed our trust in Jesus, and, and so we can rest and have peace in that, have hope in that, and, and so these are just temporary things that we experience here on earth. Some are very difficult to the extreme, and they're they're so hard, and, and it, it takes everything out of us, but even in that, God can fill us with His power, And and strength and so I hope that that's encouraging and and again not not taking away anything of uh, what Craig said just sort of taking it a step further to uh, to think a little bit more about so we'd love to know your thoughts on that topic and if you have any responses or or questions surrounding that just something that I you know wrestle with myself uh, when I hear that that saying the other takeaway from the conversation was how I asked him, you know, what are the key moments in your life? And I I love his response. It was about key people. And that is the truth, because when I look back at my life, there have been key people that God has placed in my life for a season, for a purpose. Some have been lifelong friends or mentors. Some were temporary for, you know, a semester in college or for a a year in high school or whatever it was. And that is a, a great Aspect of the faith journey to consider who are those people that have truly impacted me? Do they know that? Have we thanked them? And then are we going to be that for someone else, starting with our family, for our kids, and then impacting others to be that key person in someone's life to walk alongside them in their journey, especially in the early stages if they're, you know, new to Jesus and and don't quite understand, you know, what it really looks like to follow him uh, to be able to provide wisdom for them and, and to encourage them along the path. So those are my big takeaways. would love to know yours. You can send me an email, Bryce at com. Bryce at com. Thanks for checking out today's Unpacking It podcast. Hope you uh, listen to, to more. If you haven't subscribed, be sure to subscribe, and, and we'll drop one or two of these interviews each week. Uh, we also have a Monday kind of weekend recap show. That's a lot of fun, too, so check that out as well. And you can always subscribe to our weekday email devotional by going to com slash subscribe and encourage you to check that out. Well, I'm Bryce Johnson. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sins. He was resurrected, and by faith, I have been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well, and I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a wonderful rest of your day. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Unpacking It podcast.
0: For more information about the show, our events and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's unpackinit.com. That's u n p a c k i n i t.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackinit.com/donate.